Welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast, bringing you the latest in health and technology through interviews with disruptive startups and leaders. Subscribers get a new episode every Thursday at 6pm, and I'm your host, James Somerville. Hey everybody, this week we're talking about the Australian health tech scene and we're talking about the similarities and differences between Oz, the UK and the rest of the world and that's because my guest is Peter Birch and Peter hosts the Talking Health Tech podcast out in Australia and if you haven't heard that podcast yet I will put all of those details in the description of the episode for you to check that out. So... Peter's worked in management roles in healthcare orgs for over 15 years. He's worked in big ones, small ones, innovative startups, slow-moving beasts. He has seen all different kinds of healthcare and technology organisation. And as you can imagine, he's had first-hand experience of all the exciting developments and frustrating stagnations of all the ups and downs in health and technology. You know, impacts the businesses, investors, doctors, patients, all of that stuff. And we get into that on the podcast. So... We talk about getting into and building a career in health tech. So Peter got in through operations and sales. He says he wasn't a doctor or a developer, but he does get on very well with both. So he's worked at International SOS. He's done travel medicine stuff. He's now in AI machine learning. So he's seen innovation at scale. He's seen acquisitions. He's seen a lot. We talk about some tech, so cloud-based stuff. Obviously, AI machine learning. Within that, we talk about algorithms and gaining trust of clinicians. Obviously, the Australian scene, so how the healthcare and health tech scenes are set up, how international companies can go over there and scale, all the opportunities for startups within that current economy, similarities and differences between the UK. He gives loads of practical advice, loads of good stuff. Enjoy it. It's a great episode. Cool. So, Peter, welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be on, uh, on this end of it. <laughs> absolutely mate absolutely um i was gonna say how are you doing this morning because this is painfully early for me um a nice 6 a.m kickoff but <laughs> you being in australia what what's the time for you it's um quarter past five in the arvo and i'll say arvo to make me sound extra nice and comfortable <laughs> this oh interview i'll be overly australian but um, <laughs> Nice. I'm going to try and refrain from all of the usual phrases and really discriminatory chat. I'll just do my best. (laughs) See how we go. See how we go. Um, Cool, man. So as you know, the way that we start these podcasts is I get the guests to tell your story. And obviously you've got a podcast out there in Oz. So we want to hear all about that. But tell me everything about you and your career and everything leading up to you starting your podcast, dude. Yeah, sure. Um, So I uh, have been all about doing management um, and and I guess finance or accounting a little bit uh, in in the healthcare space and probably in the last five-ish years, specifically in the health tech um, arena. So, you know, looking at... um, how old am I? Like, like 16, 17 years or something like that in within the healthcare um, arena. And, and I'm, and I am not, and full disclosure, I am neither a doctor nor a developer, but I somehow get along really well with both of them. <laughs> um, so, so uh, like in terms of how I got into it or like, I started off like, like when I left school, I was, I, I was studying, I, I went to like a college cause I wasn't smart enough to go to uni and get a, like, you know, get, get a proper degree. So I went to this little college to do like, advertising so I thought oh, that's pretty interesting I'm gonna you know use that to get a marketing degree and, and get a 
swanky job in an advertising agency. Then, then I quickly learnt that you need to know someone specific to get a job in advertising. Agency. So I got a. <laughs> and the world's not um, quite so that, that mad, man. Yeah, no, 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 that's right. That's right. And, <laughs> and um, unfortunately, but so I, I, um, I, I got, I, I got a gig like a, like a, like an outbound calling type job, like outbound wasn't sales but it was just like chasing up medical reports for for life insurance applicants from gps at this um at international sos it's a global organization um and and but specifically in sydney in the sydney office at the time um that 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 life insurance chasing up kind of job was really um big uh within that 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 office so um look i i took that i was i was like 19 or 20 or something like that and and it was just a job to get me paid over christmas um for that year and, and i ended up staying at international sos for nine years so that was um oh, cool. it just the way that kind of just it grew from taking little opportunities to little opportunities so i went from a you know the guy on the uh, on the floor to being a team leader for a small team or like a supervisor team leader, then, then eventually up to more like operations management type roles and managing teams on, mm. on the phone. So I moved away from the, that, that kind of um, outbound thing to, to some, oh, to like there was some non tech, non medical um, things I was doing for a little bit, but eventually into like the core business that international SOS do and, 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 and are known for, which is, like emergency evacuations, repatriations, um, uh, you know, medical assistance type thing. So I worked in the Philadelphia office for for a little bit. I worked in the London office for a little bit, just just basically um, replicating what was like that model in, in each area to bring it back to Sydney and, and best practices. So um, mm. I, 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 the last thing I did at, at SOS was um, managing the third party provider networks um, for for the Australasia region, and that was. Because um, international SOS didn't have too many clinics in Australia specifically, it was all just about the services, and they partner with clinics. Um, and so, so my job was to to you know, negotiate contracts and um, set up um, preferential pricing and, and and a good network and credential clinics and hospitals and aviation providers and all of those kind of the the, the receivers of patients, I guess. Um, uh, so that then there was a good network to to work with. And so in doing that, it kind of introduced me to. Um, a company called Travel Doctor TMBC, and it was just a group of uh, bricks and mortar, like like clinics, in a bricks and mortar setup that you know that, that you walk into and you get travel medicine services. So um, you know your vaccinations and um, uh, medical kits and all that before you go overseas. So I ended up um, th- through an introduction to them, um, an opportunity came up for a, like an ops management type job with them, and I thought, well, look, I'll, I'll take this opportunity been within like international SOS served me well they treated me very well um but you know it was you know time to move uh, to a mm. different company and so that was that was cool because it was a, a travel doctor TNVC. it was it's 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 its own um company but it was owned by um a large uh, insurance company in australia called medibank and um medibank at the time was the number one insurance um company now Booper is number one and medibank's number two so so um Medibank kind of left me to my own devices to run the travel doctor business, and because it was had its own brand, and that was it was like its own startup that was bankrolled by a large, by a large insurance company. Which means mm-hmm. you know I, I could make mistakes and not feel that I had to justify myself to investors too much, like to, to the point that you know you would in a you know, brew kind of startup land, or you know I'm not putting up my own capital or anything or sure. my own house on on the line. It's sort of um, both in that case. Yeah, it was it was not as a nice intro to that, and, and and I and I think that's where I kind of got that um excitement for for the like building something up from scratch rather than um 
you know, being in a big corporate, just, just churning the, you know, churning as part of the wheel. So um, that was cool, actually making a difference, making decisions that, that, that had an impact. The, but the problem with that was that um, it wasn't really core business to Medibank, you know, that, that kind of service. It was such a huge organization. And so like they, they eventually sold off that business to, to um, Sonic, uh, Sonic Clinical Services or Sonic Health Plus at the mm. time. Um, and that was a great opportunity for me to, to learn about um, that whole process of selling an organization and, and going through due diligence, IMs and um, you know, data rooms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was seen as that, that lead. Um, and so that gave me this whole new kind of perspective again. Like, so all, all this, what I'm getting at is all, all these kind of, as I went through my, my career, I kind of picked up all these bits and pieces that have landed me kind of in this position that I am now. So, mm-hmm. you know, going through that, that sale process was, was, was cool. I got to, to um, lead the travel doctor business for another 12 months in Sonic. I had, I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity um, for a contract role and like land the thing essentially. Um, and that was, there was some challenges there of, you know, implementing, um, a business like change management in a, in a, in a very big organization, changing systems. I got to see, you know, um, a lot of the IT infrastructure being um, reworked and integrated within the healthcare space. And in Australia, that's particularly challenging. I'm more than happy to talk about some of that a bit later on. Um, and, but the, uh, you know, as well, there was a lot of like people challenges too. all the doctors, um, within travel doctor team, you see where, you know, they had, had to be made redundant to go into independent contracts. So working with doctors and the, and the, and really understanding the needs of the business, um, on a ground level was really important in that, in that kind of management mm. and making it successful. So, and, and that, that part on a day to day, I really thrived on, uh, working with clinicians, very intelligent people, sometimes, you know, very unique individuals, but, but very intelligent individuals. So, um, yeah, it's, fu- was, it's funny what, uh, it's funny when you, when you tell that story, I mean, you said it and I've actually written it down just before you said it that you sort of followed what you enjoyed and yeah but with a kind of a healthy mix of you know adding strings to your career bow so to speak you know you you took the odd job just because it gave you extra skills in a certain bit whether that was by design or not it's ended up happening which has been quite nice and I think yeah there's another thing as well about you know going through an acquisition and as you say with the IT guys that you um were working with and just seeing them being completely overhauled and sort of innovated out sort of thing or or just seeing innovation at that sort of scale as well as seeing an acquisition i hear it a lot of guests that have been on this podcast when they see innovation happen that early when they see it happen happen at you know that sort of scale it gives them this not only a passion to realize like, Oh my God, like you can actually innovate an entire industry. Oh my God, you can actually wipe out an entire department or an entire sector. It gives you that kind of passion to do it yourself. But also when you do have a company yourself or when you do indeed work at a company yourself, you've always got kind of this one eye on, we could actually get innovated out of the water here. We need to stay on top of everything that we're doing. We need to make sure that we are front of the queue in, in all the innovation stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and, and that was something as well, like with the uh, travel medicine business specifically, like, you know, that that's back in, you know, I mean the, the travel medicine team, they see business that, that I was, um, running it, that was like uh, founded in 1987 and it was a bunch of doctors that saw a need at the time for yeah. patients to have you know you know specific information about 
you know, what, what vaccine they need to take if they're traveling to Bali or, you know, like, you know, they're, they're climbing Kosciuszko. Yeah. So what do they need to do? So, um, and, and that, and that thrived like the, the concept of travel medicine at the time, but like in the last what five, five, seven years, like it, patients don't like the expectations have completely changed and that, and that was kind of a it's probably been a gradual thing more and more people finding the internet the information themselves on the internet or, or going mm-hmm. to other health providers like pharmacists or, or other you know just general forums to be able to attain this information and also the prevalence of general practitioners in australia like your family gp becoming more and more relevant to your day-to-day you're less likely to go to a you know bespoke um, uh, travel clinic when you're you know, a retail kind of patient, um, you know, walking off the street. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's, I think them as a business, they, they, they chose a, a different route to innovate and they, and they chose a very, like, to, to focus on the corporate scene, which again is, is a, you know, it's not the wrong decision. It's, um, it's just a, a different decision. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, and, and there's, there's definitely a business need there. Corporates always need that. But from a, from my side, I kind of looked at them like, well, there's surely some stuff we should, we could be doing with um, information or, 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 you know, um, uh, applications, technology. And, and that, that, that question and that challenge, while I probably didn't, I didn't have the answer then, I think that then sparked that motivation and, and excitement to then do something with technology to do something that was um, a bit more, um, you know, fulfilling and rewarding, and 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 I was quite keen to do that in a um, smaller kind of startup scale up environment. Now, normally when I hear this story, um, I, I then hear of someone that then left the big corporate kind of space and then started up their own business. But I, I, I guess what's different from from my side, I, I don't know whether I've played a safe route or whether it's just become my thing. But I'm I've. I've become the guy that like supports the founder that's that's got the really innovative and interesting idea, and and I, I kind of make it happen and and whether that means one day in my life i'll become the founder or not i I don't know but like right now i'm very happy with what i'm doing so uh, like it's this challenge that i've had like sorry so so where i went from from sonic and uh the travel doctor business i went over to a a a startup cloud-based practice management system called medi records and the you know, the challenge there was this, you know, cloud-based practice management system like an EMR, but for, for, for GPs in Australia, like they're all referred to as PMSs. Um, so the all of them in Australia are, are server-based and, you know, the old school technology and the, it's just crazy, right? The the, the general practitioner land, um, how how archaic some of the systems are. If you, like it's only, they only recently came onto computers and there's a lot of them still using manila folders and I'm sure they're using carrier pigeons or something else to, to get information across it's just crazy so um a cloud-based practice management system uh, seemed like a you know a logical solution let's let's build it and let's scale it and that i was excited by that challenge and that and at the time you know doctors didn't even know what cloud was and, mm. and probably in australia a lot of them still don't or at least there's there's uncertainty about like, whether it's the right solution so whereas every other industry um, had 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 just jumped on board and 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 you know thriving and looking at the the next advancement. So, um, you know, navigating that that um, the intricacies of the healthcare business, particularly in Australia, of the like the um, inertia from from doctors or healthcare professionals on coming on board. Um, at the time I, I was a little bit kind of almost jaded by that. I'm saying, well, you know, how come, what, why can't these doctors see, you know, uh, the light here, you know, that, that we, we, we should be moving to cloud. We should be coming onto this, this new innovative technology. But what I, what I think hmm. I learned through that process as well was 
um, you know, I wasn't looking at it from a, like, what problems are we trying to solve here? And, and, and it became, um, you know, I think when, at that point, when I realized that, you know, uh, technology can solve so many problems, not just creating cool technology for the sake of creating cool technology within the healthcare space, like that, that's never going to, um, you know, scale. As soon as uh, Medi Records, you know, they, they started seeing, you know, what problems are we starting to solve? And that's when we, um, you know, started to grow the business a bit more. It's interesting so that, that, isn't it? It's, it's, just, it's, just not a, it's just not an environment that's easy to just try stuff. It's, it's not an yeah. environment that you can just think, Oh, today we're just going to try this cloud thing. There just isn't yeah. that capacity in the space. And it's just, yeah. you're at, you, you know, it's interesting how you've said it as well. You know, there's, there's this kind of opinion that a lot of companies that try and get in, particularly bigger companies actually that try and get in and, and as you say, kind of solve problems in healthcare, if they're not bang on with their value proposition, if they're not bang on with coming in and saying, I want to speak to, this name, this job title, this person mm. specifically, and I'm going to solve this exact problem that they have with this exact bit of kit, and it's going to be laser focused. Unless it does that, the people just don't really have the time of day to give you. And, and just as you, you've experienced there, and just exactly how you've explained it, it can be really frustrating for these people because they just think, you know, we've got this cool bit of kit. If you just play with it for an hour, you'll probably discover exactly how you could use it. Or if you just play yeah. with it for a day or a couple of weeks, or whatever, then yeah. like, sure, you'll figure out loads of ways that it can solve problems because this can solve so many problems. This is like a yeah. functional technology that can that can be fitted into loads of stuff. And it's why you know, can't you see this? Yeah. Why yeah, can't you see that? Yeah. yeah, I can imagine how incredibly frustrating it is. But I think, and you know, if, unless you've been there on the ground floor, unless you've spent a whole career in it like you have now and, and, and seen it and spoken to all those people, you can't really appreciate just how, how laser focused you absolutely need to be when you are trying to solve problems for be that clinician yeah. or managers within a healthcare system. Completely. And, and, and it's funny you talk about the being laser focused. So, so I, I left the, the, the media records business after we won a, a rather large, um, contract with the state health department, which was good to be able to give give the business, um, you know, a, a platform to kind of grow upon, and they're continuing to go from strength to strength, which is which is fantastic. Um, I, I moved on to a company where I'm at now, which is called MetaOptima, which is a um, uh, uh, intelligent skin analytics platform. Like, so it's it's uh, essentially helping doctors diagnose skin cancer with artificial intelligence. And it's a software platform that integrates with their practice management systems and integrates with the pathology providers and, and like provides a, a neat workflow solution. But it's so specific to skin cancer right now that it's like we're, we're solving, like the, the, it's so clear on the problem that we're solving that, you know, in the, in the 18 months or whatever that I've been with the organization, we've seen, um, you know, some, you know, we, we've, we've, we've brought on, you know, the, the, the big, um, enterprise GP clinics in Australia already. Like we're, we're seeing good growth. We've got a, a team that's expanded significantly. It's, it's kind of ticking the boxes. Whereas in the, for me personally, anyway, the, the trying to solve the cloud-based practice management system, which is such a vast thing to kind mm. of build from, from scratch. It's, you're going the age old, you know, going a hundred miles wide and two inches deep. Whereas you know, <laughs> for, for us, you know, now with the MetaOptima thing, which is great because, you know, as, as more cloud apps come out, there's such, there's so many cloud apps that, um, 
focus on a very specific problem where, you know, we're, we're focusing on the, you know, solving the problem of helping GPs, general practitioners um, diagnose more skin cancers. Um, and, you know, we're, we're seeing success in that, in that problem, which is all, albeit very niche. It's um, it, it, we've got the right market here in Australia to do that, given the prevalence of skin cancer. And whatnot, so. Nice. And I think one thing I want to just talk about there briefly is that <clears throat> this thing about going, and ending up a hundred bars wide and, and two inches deep, even though that might not have been what you set out to do. You know, I can imagine that, that cloud platform, they, they probably, you know, identified a few value propositions that would have added loads of value and they would have loved to have gone deep in those particular value props. Mm. But it's often the case as well, that once you start to try and integrate that sort of stuff, it just ends up unpicking such an enormous problem. And actually, so I had a guy, Elliot Engers, he came on this podcast. He's the founder of a, a company called Infinity here in the UK. And I can remember re- meeting Elliot years and years and years ago. And mm. he'd, he'd met a doctor called, I think, Adam. And they wanted to solve the problem of handover. And Adam was a junior at the time. And they started, they started uh, unpicking this problem of, of handover being an issue. You know, handover is so important at the end of every shift. You need to hand over the tasks that need doing. You need to hand over the patients and deliver all their histories and tell the incoming team all about them, especially if that's a brand new team that hasn't been on call for before and it's a whole new set of patients, blah, blah, blah. So it's a really important part of, of how the hospital works. And they think, oh, you know, let's just put in like a tech solution and, and do this on an app and, and do this, blah, blah, blah. As soon as you start uncovering the problem of handover, you realize that quite literally handover is tied to absolutely everything that happens in the hospital yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> through the previous 12 hours up to the point of handover. So yeah. what they realized is there is just no separating handover from literally all the tasks that go on that actually contribute to handover so to try and just solve that problem so so they ended up 100 miles wide and then they were like yeah well how on earth do we now go drilling super deep into solving this when we've ended up going so wide and and ended up changing tack and actually you know moving towards actually solving a task problem which then ended up solving the handover so it's just one of those things of, of i can see exactly what you mean that I think to find problems that that genuinely can stay really narrow and go completely deep is super difficult. And it sounds like that's what you guys are doing at Meta Optima. And it's a, it's a market that I actually know quite well. I know Neil Daly, who's the founder of Skin Analytics here in the UK. He's actually Australian himself. Um, but I, I know Neil very well. And I've spoken to him a lot about, about skin analytics and what they're trying to do. And I guess you'd call you guys competitors, but I know that you're, you're both doing great work in the space to try and solve this problem. And, and absolutely, it's, it's, it's the case that there are so many people getting referred for skin cancer. There are so many primary care physicians that have to refer just because if there's any sort of doubt, then you've got to play on the side of safety really and, and, and refer people in. And whilst they are triaging and doing a lot of good work there, there are just so many people presenting with these problems. And so it creates this massive bottleneck at the level yes. of the specialist that yeah. you know, and on the other end. has to come in to, to, to help solve the problem. Yeah, and and then and sorry, interrupt. But then on the other end, you've got the you know um, so many unnecessary biopsies being completed, and yeah. and patients that you know uh, like it's funny you go for a skin check and you have a, a mole removed, and and then 
or they have, you know, I've had friends that have had five or six moles removed from their back or, you know, and, and a mm. couple of them on, you know, on more obvious places like their face or, you know, visible areas and they leave a decent scar, but then they get the results back. Oh, thank goodness. They, they were all, um, I'm all fine. There were those, um, no suspicion. It's like, well, why did you have them all removed? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, yeah. but I, 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 I can see the, the, you know, the, the, the reasons, but there's, there, there are tools and technologies and everything available um, and becoming more, more um, accessible to, to practitioners that, that it's, it's amazing to be part of that, that um, uh, process of making it um, available. to patients. Yeah, definitely. And just to go full circle here, I think it is, it's such an enclosed, I say such an enclosed problem. I don't know if that's what I mean, but it's, it's a problem that really can stay narrow. It's, it's quite clear that, the AI, I mean, I had Hugh Harvey on this podcast a few weeks ago. He told me a lot of detail about this, that when you, when you try and get your AI regulated, you need to be so, so, so specific as to what mm. that AI is actually doing. And so by mm. definition, the AI solutions that are out there are super narrow and go super deep because they're just trying to solve one specific problem. And it's not really allowed at the minute for AI to be everything to everyone. And so yeah. it is a problem that I do feel is quite clean in that respect that there's a yes. clear value proposition. There's, there's clear problems to solve, like, you know, the bottleneck at the specialist level to people referred to people having biopsies and, you know, a lot of negatives that could be confirmed at the level of primary care to stop all of those problems and so it does seem mm. quite clean in a lot of ways yeah which i which no, i quite like yeah and and the and we've got we've got a pretty strong ethos in murder optima as well in terms of the i mean we've got ai it, it's it's prevalent throughout throughout the application for workflow improvements and all you know making the skin check process faster and so yeah. there's there's um, lots in there, but when it gets to the, the diagnostic part or the, the clinical decision support tools that exist to help the doctor diagnose a skin cancer, we, we, we've, we've been very clear from the start because we're, we're a software application with, with the AI stuff behind it. We're not just, you know, doing the, the algorithm and that's it. So that we're a tool that they use on a daily basis. Um, we, we wanted the, the, um, you know, any kind of, decision support tools to be very transparent in the, in the decisions that it's, that it's um, holding up and, and also, you know, to be, to be reasonable and saying, well, you know, if this, if this lesion or if this type of skin cancer is not one that can be identified with a great deal of confidence, then, you know, we'd like the software to be able to explain that. So, you know, we don't want a black box of information where the, the, an image goes in, something happens in inverted commas and then the diagnosis comes mm -hmm. out. So we, we like to, you know, show, you know, this image looks similar to these ones. And that's why we, you know, the, the, the system says that like this, it, it looks like this. Um, and it, it's kind of like, I've kind of described it like Shazam for moles. Yeah. But we're, you know, saying, that's you know, a lovely like, way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just saying that's what it is. And this is what it sounds really like. Really millennial accessible. Like. That. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i've tried to describe the app like you know with, with a five minute detailed explanation at a, <laughs> at a conference and then i finished with this kind of like shazam for moles and they're just stuck and then i think yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of so i don't know how the founders thought about that one but like that's kind of stuck here in australia anyway <laughs> that's um, amazing mm -hmm. Mm. It's, it's it's so interesting, interesting to me there is is the fact that you know you're addressing similar things to what neil said actually that um building trust with clinicians is hard and, and this spans right across ai you know as you say if there's a if there's a black box happening where data's going in the same data that the clinician gets 
data goes in and then just outcome pops out. And then as the clinician, you've got to go, well, I've got to do what this thing says. Yes. Yes. That's really, it, it's, it's no, <laughs> like with my <laughs> clinician hat on, like, no, yeah. I'm not going to be yeah. told what to do yeah. by this thing that I have no idea how its brain works. It's, yeah. I'm not going to trust that. And so I know that Neil's doing loads of stuff on this and he's doing loads of studies with partner universities to try and figure it out as to how to actually get trust between the clinician and the AI. And it's a, it's, yeah. it's, it's a really interesting field because I think there's going to be ripples throughout the whole health tech world as to, as to how they actually go about doing this in the right way because I think it's going to break down a huge amount of barriers because AI is never going to take over. AI is never going to be the thing that dictates all the decisions. It might, it, it's going to start confirming and, and probably first of all, it's going to start confirming the things that clinicians already think. So if clinicians are saying 90% of these things don't look like skin cancer, it's going to confirm those first and just get those out of the way. And it's going yeah. to help divert attention. But in terms of getting to the point where clinicians are going to be like, we are super happy that this is bang on. And it goes far beyond just publishing your numbers, doesn't it? It goes far beyond just saying like, well, here's the evidence. Here's the paper that's written that says it's got an auroch of this number and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's uh, like, you know, my logical brain's like, okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. It's got all these, it's, it's this specific and this, um, Blah, blah blah. So it goes far beyond that because I've got an emotional component as well, and we can't ignore that. That yeah. <laughs> I just feel a bit yeah. bested by this machine that's all of a sudden learnt quicker than my five years at med school and, and ten years on. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know who to trust you, but I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I, I don't know who who said this. I, I'm awful at remembering who's quoted on things and, and all that. But I remember someone saying that. Um, AI in healthcare is is going to be. We, we used to think of it like the Terminator, but it's now more like the Iron, like Iron Man. So it's just a, it's augmenting, helping. Glorious a, a again, great analogy. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not 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 ripping the shit out of it. So it's, yeah. you know, like it's just <laughs> it's like it, it it isn't the healthcare provider. The healthcare provider is always going to stay there. But how do you like? It, it's it's a huge problem. I mean, in Australia, we've got like what twenty five million people um, and four hundred dermatologists and and. Oh my in, in New Zealand, in, in New Zealand, we've got 40 or something like that. Or like, I think it's gone up to like 40 something. You know? quite so, a like lot it. of um, sun as well for, yeah, for, yeah. for so, lots of so things two, that and, can go wrong with skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so two out of three Australians will get skin cancer in their life. Um, so you, like Whoa. most people will have some kind of need for, so, so we've got 40,000 GPs in Australia, like the general practitioners. So, so that they, they just naturally become the place that, 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 patients go and for you to go to a dermatologist in australia i think like the uk anyway but like or, or but in other parts it's not the same but you know you have to get a referral to the dermatologist you have to get a referral to the specialist so you have to see the family gp anyway before you get to go to see the dermatologist yeah but there's wait you know wait periods of one to two years to see these derms and the, it, it's and i believe in other parts of the world it's the problem's even worse anyway so we like gps in australia are actually probably better at diagnosing skin cancer than some dermatologists in other areas or would see more melanomas yeah. than what other dermatologists would in you know other parts of the world just because of the the, the sheer 
size of the problem. So that's why I think it's worked really well for, for Meta Optima and Derm Engine specifically to have a solution that's, you know, available to a market that's small. Like, you know, it's, 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 well, it's a good size market here in Australia and New Zealand to kind of test out the, the yeah. platform scale it um and because there's a decent size you know group of people who have a problem that needs to be solving and then hopefully it can be replicated in other parts i'd love to be able to see the model actually replicated the other way where you know the model that we see in australia where general practitioners are more actively involved in skin cancer diagnosis then maybe that can be replicated in other parts of the world and like so more gps or family practitioners and are, are being more active in the process of skin cancer diagnostics and, and everything to, to um, you know, follow through that process and hopefully alleviate some of the pain on the, the dermatologist. Because I know in Australia, I, I, as I understand, early on in the process, or at least had the media played it out to be that derms really didn't like the GPs mm -hmm. doing skin checks because they would be inaccurate. But I, I, a lot of derms I speak to, they kind of, they like the fact that GPs can be the front line and, you know, do a, a first, you know, line of defense of, of diagnostic, get most of it right, and then refer the ones that need to be up to, to derms. And so they see the ones that are the, the trickier ones. And, you know, exactly. And that's just because the demands that, I mean, the, yeah, just the demand on the system, there's just so many referrals that, yeah, yeah I imagine that, that dermatologists initially wouldn't like the idea of, of AI coming to do what they do. But actually in the context of it being out, being able to just weed out all of the easy and in inverted commas diagnoses yeah. and leaves them with the ones that they can actually spend more time over and actually look mm -hmm. after the patients in a bit more detail. It starts to look like it really solves the problem because it ends up diverting the human resource to, to exactly where it's needed, which always should be the goal with this sort of thing. But on that kind of, yeah. here's me segueing that international learning point of view. Tell me about the Australian scene for healthcare yep. and health tech. Tell me about just the way it's set up with your, you know, public private system and yeah, yeah. yeah, just tell me about the healthcare system initially. And because we've got we've got half our listeners in the UK, we've got a quarter in the US. It might not be that people have thought about the Australia as a market for health tech stuff. It might be that they're thinking of it. It might be that it's interesting to them. So, yeah, outline how yeah. the healthcare system set up, and just tell me a bit about the health tech scene. All right. So, um, healthcare in Australia, uh, we've got you know uh, Medicare is you know uh, the the government funded, um, I guess, uh, funding program for, for uh, I guess, like the NHS in the UK, um, majority of healthcare that's provided to, to patients in Australia is free as part of that, but you can elect to go to a fancier doctor, I guess, or a shorter mm -hmm. wait period um, to, to um, then pay um, a gap. You, we, we do, we have the concept of private health insurance. So you like, it's not provided by um, employers or anything like you as a patient, you go out and you buy a private health insurance um, uh, uh, policy to then be able to do things like physio and chiro and extra kind of ancillary services are covered by your, your PHI. Um, majority of people just get that for ambulance cover or for you know maternity actually a lot of people just get it because the government incentivizes you to do that because they'll tax you harder if you don't have private health insurance so oh, interesting okay so then it ends up being reserved for the people that need it i suppose yeah you, you get it anyway yeah so that's all yeah. that's how the, you know, the but there's always ways around it um uh, in terms of like how the healthcare is provided um 
you know, there's there's a public a public hospital system um, that's provided by the government. Then there's private health, uh, sorry, private hospitals, which are majority just two big players, a uh, uh, Ramsey and and um, uh, HealthScope, and then there's a few other there's, there's other ones as well, but they're they're the big players. Um, whenever there's one hospital that's being sold to Ramsey or or um, HealthScope, then the uh, a a triple C Australian community. Uh, uh, Essentially, the, the uh, there's always concern about there being a monopoly of, uh, of hospital providers. So, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so they're the big players. There's then this big kind of the the the, um, the public hospital systems. The big challenges they've had is being able to meet wait times and be more efficient and 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 everything. And the theory was to to get the private hospital kind of people more involved and do like the blended private public hospital system thing going on. I believe that's like elsewhere within the world. Um, there's been pros and cons of that. And I'm not overly across the, the, the minutiae of how that's kind of gone, but everything I've read has kind of been, you know, more, more opportunity for um, solving a bigger problem and, and, yeah. and getting like reducing wait times, uh, eliminate ramping in, in hospitals of, you know, ambulances lining up. That said, I, I know the kind of scene in other parts of the world and I know it's not, it's not bad in Australia. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a good healthcare system. It's um, generally people are healthy. That said, um, we're, you know, same old problem that we have got everywhere in the world, which is, you know, aging population, um, obesity is is um, uh, an issue now. I think we're still number one now in terms of the most obese country or something like that. It's, really? It's I would not have thought that about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure whether it's changed. I know the last couple of years, you know, we, yeah. we overtook the US and, and, and became the most the, the fattest nation essentially in, wow. the, in the world, which is, which is, which is awful. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, like a combination of all the, all the different reasons why the whole world is becoming, um, uh, like that. But you'd think given that we've got such a, you know, we, we've got a lot of sun, we're generally a sporty active kind yeah. of, you know, uh, thing that we'd be, we'd be out there getting, getting heaps fit and stuff, yeah. but no, we, we just like to watch sport apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few tennies and yeah, seemingly. Yeah, that's God. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's part of the issue too. So, um, you know, like what, what the health tech, kind of space looks like like it's just it, it feels archaic everyone that, that kind of comes into the space and goes are you serious like you, you're not you know it, i think people assume it's a lot further progress you know i mean the, the hospitals use you know the same emrs they use cerner they use epic and yeah kind of it. you know when when you get out to the, the the big bad world of the general practitioners which is your family um doctors and then all your allied health it's it's you know, like i said the, the family gps um, you know, it is still not crazy to go see your family GP and they've got manila folders, you know, up the back with the, hmm. the big filing cabinets and, and, and literally no computer systems. Only more recently, the government kind of incentivized the, 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 um, all the clinics to come on to computers. Well, they incentivized that a while ago, but they're, now they're more and more incentivized to come on to a computerized system uh, with, with the, um, uh, with the my health record becoming more um, common, which is the um, like the personally controlled health record that um, I'm sure there's yeah. a, a version of it that exists in the UK. So that whole thing that that was a big kind of um, a big news story in Australia the last eighteen months. That became highly like politicized. Like uh, it became a political kind of football. Of, oh wow! Um, it be, you know that we went from a, a, a an opt um, 
an opt out to an opt in or vice versa. What well, it, it's, it's it's late afternoon for me. I don't function very well in the <laughs> afternoon. But, but it, it became it became mandatory for for uh, so so you, know, you were just as a child was born they became they they had a, a my health record and that that was the kind of place for all the information to to go. In theory, it sounds great. Everyone's got a my health record and that's where you've you uh, that that should then solve this big problem of interoperability and and patients being able to move across places, but it's just so much that needs like i don't think it was built very well in the first place is generally the consensus like we could create a whole episode about um my health record and generally on my show i try and i, I sometimes steer clear of it just because it's such a um it's almost yeah, like you start um, you unpicking know, you, that and then two hours yeah, later yeah, you're still recording let's, yeah. Let's not get into it. yeah 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 um so so that's that's that look in terms of the, the problems to solve you know I, I know there's not been any time well there's a good example of, you know, an international company coming into Australia and having success, which is the company that I'm with, Meta Optima. Mm. Um, it's a company originally founded out of Vancouver. And, mm. um, and and that's where, you know, head office is and saw them, you know, and, and, and then the Australian entity was set up um, to, to, to meet that that market. And, and that's where I was brought in to, to be the first man on the ground and, and scale it out. So I think we're going to see, and, and as... As I think what I've noticed anyway is that, you know, in the primary health space, which is, you know, your practice management systems, there's, there's mm. big players like best practice and medical director and, and all the other guys, like the Medi Records guys that I was with before. And Genie is another big one too for specialists. Everyone I speak to is kind of on the same page that, you know, maybe 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago, they were looking at building out all these different capabilities like a, a skin analytics app and a dietitian kind of capability. And, a, and and all of a sudden you've got, again, that problem of going, you know, a million miles wide, no, no deep. And so that, that, that yeah. I think now with, with cloud kind of becoming, the, uh, it's becoming easier to integrate with these practice management systems if they were on the cloud, but that's just going um, <laughs> to talk about that in a tick. But uh, then they can focus on what they do well, which is whether it's they choose to do like intelligence, again, the AI kind of workflow, making the process faster or just the the secure storage of information or, or integrating with the billing function and then letting all the little guys, in inverted commas for them anyway, like like a skin analytics kind of concept um, or a, any other kind of niche need like a, like a, um, uh, to then build out their own capability and then but that's kind of like any other industry as well right like you've always got your your, your core function and then all your plugins around the side Indeed. i think that's just generally how it's how it's going to go and how it should go um within the healthcare space so that then we've got better solutions for doctors yeah. to be able to in the end hopefully solve more problems for patients it seems to me then population of 25 million you've got a healthy private and public sector in healthcare you've got some old systems that could be updated and changed it seems like a situation ripe for kind of opportunity and disruption in inverted commas and innovation i guess a bit more bold and underlined it seems like that there is there is opportunity i mean is that how you would see it or do you think that it's quite a difficult market and i guess wrapped into that is if, if there is opportunity what's the best way in for startups what's the kind of front door yeah i think i think that's what a lot of other people think as well when they get into the space and, and yeah you're right there is opportunity and and, and, it, and problems do need to be solved i think that where um I've seen a lot of companies come into the healthcare in Australia and um, 
burn a lot of cash really quick uh, and with not a great deal of kind of outcome is that is that because they're spending really... money trying to learn the system they're trying to get, actually oh, get in there say, and understand probably, it understand the system but they've kind of made assumptions on how it might work and oh, it's classic, kind of yeah. fallen fallen down um or they've not really like uh, uh, the, and i'm going to assume it's the same anywhere but uh, you know Every, every practitioner we sell to, or any, it doesn't matter where you, like what app you're doing, the doctor's going to ask, show me another doctor that's using the platform mm. and that it's, you know, show me success. Where's the evidence? So, you know, you're selling to a, you know, a, a cohort that is purely about evidence-based, like, you know, that, that's how, how doctors have made decisions all throughout their lives. And so if they're going to make a decision on a software platform, particularly if it's going to change their workflow, like how they actually do stuff, <laughs> um, like you've got to be pretty confident that it's a, like like a good a good workflow not just because you reckon it is but because uh, like it, it's it's solving a problem that they had in their old workflow and that this is the this is the evidence behind that because this you know beta to like did not you know this original kind of uh reference customer has has, has said that and it's kind of scaled from there i think coming in without any kind of clinical um champion is uh always going to be a challenge uh so you know you need to have your your guys locally on the ground that are advocates for your business but you also need to be out like if you're coming into australia you also need to be able to work really well with all the practice like if you're into the gp space but also into the hospital space you got to work with the the practice management systems and the emrs like the electronic medical records um because again that's going to be the first question every doctor is going to ask is does does it integrate with best practice or does it integrate with medical director um, and, and uh, does it integrate with, you know, X, Y, and Z. So um, getting those things right and, and having a good, a good understanding of the partnerships that you can form partnerships, I think are critical in, in healthcare and in, in, at least in Australia and probably elsewhere. Um, and so, you know, joining one of the associations like there's medical software industry association, the MSIA, um, uh, they, you know, again, it's just every health tech vendor, uh, in Australia is, is part of that group. It, it gets a bit, you know, um, you know, spicy at the events when, you know, everyone's kind of in the same world and they're all <laughs> each other. But that said, but yeah. that said, everyone's in the kind of mode of sharing and, and solving common problems and you get to hear all the, like, what are the big challenges in the space? And that, that becomes the, the voice for the industry to government about actually making change. And the MSIA recently to their creditors um, really started to make headway in that. So um, that I think, Yes, there are problems to solve, and we and we can definitely learn from other parts of the world. But there, there definitely shouldn't be any assumptions that, um, you know, because it worked in this country, it's going to work here. Um, so much practical advice. I love it when people just actually answer the question. <laughs> Genuine practical <laughs> advice. There. And I think there's there's something there's something about this as well that that we can't really skip over in that. You mentioned having people on the ground floor that understand it, live it every day, know what they're doing. And it's people like yourself, you know, that have existed in multiple different startups across multiple different layers. You've existed in multiple different spaces, even within that. You speak to clinicians, you speak to the regulators, you speak to the government bodies and, and the, you know, or you, you've spent time across the space. So you, you just sort of get it. And I think for startups moving into a new territory, those sorts of people are absolutely invaluable and there aren't many, I guess. And I think a lot of startups tend to get around it by, and I think this is often a good decision by joining an accelerator that happens to exist in the city that they want to move into in the territory or country that they want to move into, because actually, mm. you know, being part of a program, a fixed program where you've got multiple people that can offer you advice 
in a different territory, that's probably worth giving away a bit of equity to rather than a market that you're already in and completely saturated in and you know everybody already. I can see a lot more value in kind of moving territory into a different program and doing it that way. But finding people like yourself, and I'm sure that you, you, you know, give advice to people all the time, but I think, you know, for people moving into Oz that might be listening um, or might want to, then I think, you know, by all means, give Peter a call and I'll put Peter's detail in the details in the description. But my, my next question, mate, is around, I, I guess, we've talked healthcare quite a lot and we've talked about kind of bigger startups and corporates and things what's the what's the scene like for startups and i mean kind of you know the classic kind of tech startup world and by that you know are there lots of programs for early stage startups are there lots of early stage investors like angel investors and uh, like mm. pre-seed stuff like funds is it easy is it is it a fertile ground for the development of startups what that, what's that kind of world look like because yes healthcare is always going to be a bit slow healthcare is always going to need these big thinkers that come from different industries but i guess the way that they tend to get nurtured is from i guess the tech world so yeah paint that yeah. picture for me what does that look like in us yeah no worries um i'll start off by saying like I don't like even though Metaopt like and just using the current company that I'm at, Metaoptima Derm Engine, it's an innovative kind of you know platform. I I don't but all of the R and D and the the development and everything is done out of Canada. I don't and and like it, based in Vancouver, BC, the BC government has been like so supportive of Metaoptima and, and any tech organization over in Vancouver that's like building from the ground up and with, you know, grants and everything like that yeah. that's accessible to, to companies. I don't think that a, that a, that a tech solution that is, that solves so many problems in Australia could actually have been developed in Australia with like on a, on a, on a bootstrap type budget. So I don't think that and then purely my own personal opinion that, you know, the, the there are some, kind of government um, grants that are available here in Australia for startups in the early kind of stage. But, you know, the innovation, again, it becomes like, this, it becomes a political thing. Innovation's almost become a dirty word because I think it's like, uh, I feel like politicians have just kind of, like when you start talking about innovation, people start to like, I think politicians have felt that, the, the general public will start to think, oh, well, innovation and kind of change is, is not predictable and it's not, it's not sturdy and reliable. Oh, so we don't right. really want to hear about that. We want to, we want to just like know about like the things that we, um, that we can hold on to and things that have always been successful. But in Australia, like the thing that we've always been successful at, which is like digging up stuff out of the ground and then selling it, that that's creating <laughs> all these huge, huge problems now in Australia. And th like we're, the, the country is literally on fire at the moment, you know, yeah. and we're, we're bushfires like, across. It's tragic. And the, and we've got, you know, a, a prime minister who, um, depending on how, you know, again, the media portray it definitely as, you know, a, 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 a skeptic of climate change and climate change doesn't actually exist. Um, and that this is, but, but, you know, and no doubt that, that Scott Morrison's probably got a lot of kind of, you know, um, uh, people on, on like that have backed him that, uh, essentially you know uh, the, are the, the the mining the mining organizations the, mm. the other companies that that, that, are, that are essentially helped australia come out of the gfc relatively unscathed and 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 become a you know vibrant economy it exists today so i think australia's got a lot of kind of challenges to find like what is the next kind of mining boom and all of that and and there, there are kind of there's talks about you know well that's like the innovation kind of boom and all of that and i think 
the previous prime minister tried that and there wasn't a great deal of conviction behind it. I think we need to, and we need to get better at it, but we need the government kind of backing behind it. So we've, we've, um, I don't think Australia does it well enough um, for startups locally in Australia for local things. I think there's little kind of hubs in regional areas that do it okay. And there's been some great companies that have come out of Australia. Um, you know, and, and Canva, I think, did a recent resident. I don't know the numbers, but it was, you know, an eye-watering amount. And I think it's up, you know, with that one, probably now one of our most successful um, unicorns anyway. Um, Atlassian is an obvious kind of one as well. And and then and Scott Farquhar, one of the co-founders, and, and, and Mike Cannonbrooks, but Scott Farquhar, he's actually a investor in, in Meta Optima, funnily enough, with, with his, um, mm, uh, uh, you know, organisations too. And so, and, and again, you know, Scott's big thing is all about, you know, improving the landscape for innovation in Australia. So I, I think we've got little pockets of, you know, we've got, um, I, that all said, I think that was very much the vibe a couple of years ago. We're seeing this kind of shift out. We're seeing more money go in. Like, you, you know, you, you look at the amount of money going in from uh, VC into startups is definitely uh, ramping. There's more confidence in the startup kind of space. And I think, uh, there's been that kind of moment where that a little bit of a tipping point where um, very big organizations have identified that they're not going to be able to solve these kind of challenging problems themselves by being so, you know, big and, and slow moving um, more and more organizations need to partner with startups and, and innovative organizations to solve problems. So I think then the money is coming to those startups from those investment firms to be able to do that. So I would hope to see it us kind of turn that corner, but we've come out of that kind of area of like um, not being supportive enough to, to I yeah. think the, um, the but it sounds like then the door's open. It sounds like the door's open to startups from all around the world to enter Australia to, to help you solve those problems. And there's never going to be an easy way to do that. It's always going to be a case of finding someone like yourself on the ground floor to explain the nuance and to learn the nuance. And I actually wrote a Forbes article recently on um, on Cree. So it's like a telemedicine company that's scaling right across Europe super quickly. They just raised $155 million Series C. But, you know, the founder, Johannes, I spoke to him on the phone and, you know, he was telling me just his like unbelievable focus on whenever I move into a new territory, I want a, a team on the ground floor, just listening, learning, understanding the nuance. You know, everyone's, everyone sometimes, you know, makes a joke about or makes a glib comment on, on something to do with the healthcare system. We want to jump on that. We want to totally understand everything about that system so that we can solve the problems in the right way. It seems like there's no way around that. It just has to be something that people are, are dedicated to. And I think for, for someone like, you know, a, a meta optima or a scan analytics that wants to move into Australia to solve a, a problem that two out of three of the 25 million people are going to face at some point in their lives, it seems worth it to divert that amount of disproportionate resource to just understanding the system because it ends up being such a big problem to solve. So it sounds like for startups listening that might want to consider Australia as an option, then then I, I feel that it's a fertile market in that it might not be creating the startups itself. It might be moving towards that, but seemingly there are lots of problems to solve. I think if you can nail down a value proposition, you might have the door opened in, in, in having those conversations and it sounds like there might not be many people trying to do it over there so it sounds like it could be could be an interesting spot but dude tell me tell me about your podcast i mean we can't we can't let you leave here without without (laughs) telling us about your podcast out out in oz because you're you're trying to capture that health tech market out there right yeah yeah so so, um talking health tech it's called and um i started that 
a bit over 12 months ago and it was kind of the had, had contemplated doing it I, I was having all you know really interesting conversations with um, other software vendors in the space in the health tech space but also you know doctors and and and, and investors as well and I thought you know the you know, and listening to a lot of other podcasts listening to your podcast as well and I thought, <laughs> well you know it, there's nothing that exists in australia at the time you know to, to be able to speak to all these interesting companies and talk about these challenges that um you know i've just kind of um touching at the tip of the iceberg on like what we've talked about now there's all these other kind of interesting areas that need to be kind of delved into so um i, I think i'm up to episode 30 or something like that of, and nice. there's a bunch more to come out in um in the new year i do a weekly show um it's um you know and and i've had you know some really um, some of the bigger names on there too would be like Graham Greve, the founder of Fire, because of the you know FHIR, the the Fire Standard and Protocol of, of yep. you know, um, oh, cool. uh, of information transfer. So Graham came on relatively early in the show too. Like you know, I was just this <laughs> randomly said to Graham, "Hey, come on," and he's and he was very kindly came in. So that was good. Um, and there's been a you know other all the big practice manager assistants have been on um, uh, very soon coming out is the, the president of the RACGP, which is the uh, Royal Australian College of General Practitioners talking about the needs of, of tech vendors. So I think, you know, again, for people outside of Australia wanting to learn about what's happening within the space, it's a, a good resource. And then, I think, you know, again, a majority of my the listeners to Talking Health Tech are, are indeed from Australia, but a lot from the US. And so there's more US organizations wanting to come on the show and share about their kind of thoughts too. So it's going to be a good cross-section of, of stuff. There's, um, you know, always something interesting to talk about. It's kind of in a similar format to yours of just chatting to interesting people and finding out the problem they're solving and why they do what they do. Um, and, and you're always interested to hear from other organizations too, that are, that are, um, relevant to Australia in some way, or just have something interesting to say, um, you know, definitely keen to have a chat with other, um, companies too, that, that want to come on the show. So, um, yeah. Awesome. The details will no doubt be in your, I was going to say, I'll put the details in the, in the show notes, but (laughs) that's my job. (laughs) I'll put the details in the show notes. (laughs) Although I am coming on your podcast tomorrow. So tomorrow you're going to have to put my details in your show notes. And this is all going to matter, isn't it? I thought of it. I thought about like putting the answer to a question on your show and the question over on my show. And then nice. so people had to listen to both, but I couldn't <laughs> So I might reference that in my show <laughs> and, then, nice. and then that'll kind of be a nice tie together. So nice, anyway. nice. Um, cool, man. So yeah, I, I do encourage everyone to have a listen to Peter's podcast. I will put the links to that in the show notes. I'll put the link to Peter's email as well. If anybody wants to get in touch. And I think, you know, for, for people that want to move to Oz, I cannot stress this enough. Finding someone like Peter to explain to you how the system works and to connect you with all the relevant people across the space is completely and utterly invaluable. I think with 25 million people there, you know, we've just heard one of the problems, two out of three people get some sort of skin cancer in their life. You know, there's all these different problems to solve over there. There's a system that is ripe for disruption. It's something for people to definitely consider. And if you want to learn more all about that health tech space, then have a listen to Talking Health Tech by Peter Birch. Um, so, dude, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, that that was easy, wasn't it? It's easy when someone else does a podcast. I think. <laughs> easy. I'm just sitting here, not even, yeah, I'm just, I just talk. I don't yeah, have to think about just, what to say. Oh, God, I can't yeah. wait for tomorrow, mate. 
mate. I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Answer the question. <laughs> it's going to be great. I don't need to take notes. Wonderful. Um, you send me your questions that you ask me, and I'll just ask. You yeah. <laughs> Even easier, dude. Even easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Perfect, man. Well, you have a good evening and the rest of your day. And um, the way that we end these podcasts, mate, is that I just get you to summarize a bit about yourself. So tell us about yourself in summary, about sixty seconds worth. Tell us about what you're up to at Meta Optima and with the podcast and close us out with any asks that you've got of our audience. So take it away, sir. Sure. Um, Peter Birch, um, general manager for Asia Pacific at Meta Optima Technology, the, the creators of Derm Engine and Molescope. I've had a 15 something year career within the healthcare space here in Australia, doing everything from um, uh, emergency assistance, uh, managing bricks and mortar clinics right through now to um, the, the real exciting part of, of uh, health tech and health technology um, and the, the problems that that can solve for um, the healthcare providers in Australia and for patients. Um, I also uh, host a podcast called Talking Health Tech, which is uh, discussions with um, all the doctors, developers and decision makers playing in the Australian health tech scene today. Um, there's There's lots of uh, problems to solve within the healthcare space, many of which can be addressed with technology. It's making sure that the technology vendors in Australia are, are uh, looking to solve the problem, not just creating tech for the sake of cool tech. Um, and it's uh, a good time to be involved within the space as um, uh, more problems present as we become a, an, uh, the, the, the country is uh, uh, we're, we're aging faster. We're, we're aging. We're, we're, we're becoming older. We're becoming uh, more obese. We're becoming uh, more prevalence of chronic disease, and all of these issues can be addressed in one way or another by um, a more innovative technology. So um, now's the time to get amongst the wind track. Hey everybody, and thanks for listening to this week's episode. We're making it all the way to the end. If you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow us on all of our socials so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.